morning, City Life Church. Good morning, everyone. We're so grateful that you are all here. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Pedro Reese, and I just want, and I'm the lead pastor here. I just want to welcome everyone, all of our City Lifers, our visitors, friends, everyone just sitting on the sofa with someone that you know. We're grateful that you're here. We're grateful for another week to come and talk about our Lord Jesus. And we actually have really special things going on today because right now, this is what we've been doing so far in January of this new year. We've been getting some things off of our chest as preachers that we just want to lay out there for our church this year. We started in Genesis 15 talking about how God continually was teaching Abraham and really through Abraham, all of us, because we all belong to Abraham's family. We're all children of Abraham. We belong to this covenantal family that Abraham, that God started in Abraham. And through him, he was teaching all of us about trust. Trust that God's plan is coming. God is going to see that his plan goes out as perfectly as he desires it to. And then we talked, uh, Pastor John Soper came and he, he joined us. He preached upon Psalm 34 and he talked about praise and how praise should never leave our lips. And we should be living out these praise and the different parts and postures of praise. And how do we do that? How do we live out worship in everything that we do? And then last week, Carla, our very own Carla, came and preached us for the very first time, nailed it out the park, and she talked to us about Psalm 51 and talked again about our posture with the Lord. How we uh, I, posture to me always thinks, how am I going? How am I standing in front of the Lord and living out my life? How how is the gospel infusing in every part of who I am and what I do? our posture before the Lord. used a very real circumstance in David's life, a very real event, a big event in his life. And what did that do? What did the Holy Spirit do in David to pen Psalm 51? Talk about posture, how we live with the Lord. And, and it's been great getting these things. As a, as a preacher, you, just, you have all of these. I have so many bucket list sermons that I say, oh, that I like, oh, I love, I want to preach this, but it's not the right time or not yet, or I don't, I feel, don't feel permission to go there yet. And so we got some of those out. And now we, today we enter into really laying out what this year is all about. Not rushing into the year, not making all these goals that we are not going to follow through with, but giving the year a little bit of time to breathe, us stepping into this new year, of acknowledging especially this difficult year that we had and then now saying Lord okay what is it that you're speaking to us this year on an individual level but also on our church congregational level Lord what do you want city life to be about this year we're gonna be about you we're gonna be about your son and your Holy Spirit but uh, how are we supposed to do that what are we supposed to focus on what are some of the themes and over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be unveiling those. At family meeting, we're going to be talking about the vision for the year again, too. But today we begin, and we want to talk about at least two. The first one being knowing our identity in Christ. This year will be about knowing our identity in Christ. And to, I know to some of them, they hear that, I know who I am, I know that, but look, so we need to grow in this year in knowing who Christ says that we are. It's going to be so crucial because we have a picture of who we're going to be this year. God, God is moving in our body. The other thing that we're going to focus a lot on today is growing in maturity, both emotionally and spiritually. Growing in spiritual maturity, 
because we need to know we need to know theology because theology uh, makes praxis right what we do behavior action theology informs our praxis how we live things out how we embody christ and so we're going to be focusing on theology throughout this year big theology the the stuff that we've probably all heard but couldn't describe our on our on our own and so what does that all say how do we mature spiritually to have this firm foundation to be these unshakable people for christ but then we're also going to look at emotional was, god has been putting that on my heart for a long time now for our church is to be a, a more emotionally mature people and not that we're immature but because we need God has more for us. There's a real big truth that we will never be as spiritually mature as we are emotionally mature. I had a pastor who used to say it like this. He said that uh, he was from the South, and apparently this is a thing. He said, we are us, human beings, are Christ-following human beings. We're like these styrofoam cups that you would get at uh, a fast food place. And then you would leave it in your car in the summer sun and you would go out, go do your errands, do whatever you had to do. And you would come back and the cup had wilted and there was your drink all over the place. And that we are these fragile cups who um, wilt under pressure and under heat at times. And so we need to continually be saying, Lord, make me a stronger cup. Build me up. I need to mature. Work in my emotions so that I can be aware of what's happening in me and how you're speaking in me. Lord, I want to have a relationship with you that makes me be much more mature every season of my life. I need to be in touch with my emotions so that I know what you're speaking to me, so that I can feel all of your nudges and, and all of the holy high moments in our lives, but then also in all of the mundane, normal, office hour move nudges of the Holy Spirit. We need both. We want both. We crave both. And for us to be a more attuned people to God and what he's doing and so those are two major themes for this year but I have this picture I feel when I think about our church I have this picture that I feel God is giving me that I know God is giving me that at the end of this year with all of the experiences that we had from last year going here really our whole lives but specifically this past year for us as one church, as one people, for us to take all of that and allow God to use it to produce a people here in Jersey City who are a couple of things. A, a group, a people in Jersey City who stand tall, who are not bent packed people like we talked about in our first and second Peter series. That we're not, the world doesn't beat us down, beat us down until we are weakless and we can't stand up. But no, we are people who stand up proud for the Lord who are so happy with the Lord and what we have in our community that we stand up tall in the city for it. That we have this strong will for our Father. That we want our Father's will to come alive in our lives and for what His plan is to come and change where we go in our trajectory and everything about us. A people with a strong pursuit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to look like Him, to embody Him, to follow him in his sufferings, to know him in his joy, to do accomplish all the things that scripture talks about for us to be that group of people here in Jersey City who love pursuing our Lord, that we have a deep, deep well of relationship with the Holy Spirit, a people who know the Holy Spirit, know his voice, know when he's speaking to us, and then follow when he tells us to do something. 
that we are people who look inward, but that we, that we don't get lost in this inward search, but that inward search causes us to look outward and serve our city and be present in our city and give to our city everything that we have. Give the best, which is Christ telling everyone, let's look in so that we can look out and be these people who speak about Jesus everywhere that we go, even when, when we're not in church, of people that embody Jesus and the life and lessons and, and teachings that he gave us. And as the people who are dedicated to serve the kingdom, a people who have a vibrant outreach, who know the mission that God has given us, and go out and accomplish it, no matter how big or how scary it may be. I, this is the picture of this city life that I, I feel God is moving us towards, and it's all about deepening and maturing and growing and knowing who our Christ is, but not just knowing in our heads, but knowing in our hearts. That's where I think God is moving us. And so church, I am so excited for this year. I am so excited for the themes and the mission that God has given us, how strategy to um, achieve all of those things. I, I'm so excited for us to see what God has for us because we're making plans. But if 2020 taught us anything is that make plans, God counts us to count the cost, but make plans, but then also let God do his thing and see how both of these things come in and the year works out. And so I am so happy for 2021 that God has us on mission. And one of the things that we will do to carry out our mission is preach. Preach the word, preach Christ. And every Sunday that we get together, whether it's me or anyone else, a guest or our own, very own people, we are going to preach. And so we're going to start today with our first sermon series of the year. A series that I uh, was have become unexpectedly much more excited than I thought I could be. I know I, I always say I'm excited. But the depth that I found here in, that has been changing my heart and showing me new things has been eye-opening. And so welcome to our sermon series of the year, our mystery series. Our mystery series is going to be looking at Ephesians. We're going to be spending weeks in Ephesians. Ephesians is such a special book. It's so beautiful. The depth in it is, I never even knew the depth inside of this. There's so many things that I want to introduce today, but for the sake of time, let's just table some of those. I'm going to talk about Mishpat. I want to talk about other things. I want There's so much to talk about here, but let's talk about Ephesians for just one second. We'll get more context next week, but we re- I just really wanted to jump in. Epis- uh, this epistle, Ephesians, is called the Queen of the Epistles. There's such a high view of this writing that the Holy Spirit produced in Paul that it is considered the crown of Pauline writing, the crown of Paulism. Commentators even say that this is the divinest composition of man. Ephesians is this special book. Somehow it uses poetry and beauty to dis- and mystery to describe the mystery of Christ coming down and what that did for you and for me, that we are different, fundamentally different in our beings after we say yes to Christ. And everything about our life and creation changes when we say yes to Christ. And Paul calls this the mystery. And so we are going to dive into this mystery series on Ephesians. And this is how we're going to break it up because this book is so great. First, we're going to talk about new life. When you say yes to Christ, one thing when you're in Christ, which we'll talk about today, you have new life. Everything about what you are is different, down to your very nature, not just poetically, not just 
philosophically, you are different. You are new when you say yes to Christ. We're going to talk about new society, how God did everything. Jesus came down here to save us, and then he left the church. This is the age of the church. This is the age of the saints. And so what is this new society that God started in Christ, and Christ built us together into this church? Why? What are we working towards? In 20, after the political year that we've just had, this is a great message. What makes us God's people together, no matter if we agree or disagree on certain things, we're this new society. How do we live that out? We're also going to talk about new standards, how being in Christ produces new standards in our lives. And this isn't about rules. This isn't another set of Ten Commandments. This isn't about, oh, you have to follow this, look like this, do this. You can't do that. No, it's not about that. But what are these new standards, new boundaries that this blessed life entails and then last we're going to talk about new relationships because if we are fundamentally different if god is calling us into this new society if he's bringing his kingdom this new society to earth here through the church and if it changes the way we live then it also changes every level of our relationship with us with him us with one another our spouses our kids the people who we think we're over, the people who we think are over us, the gospel changes all of this. And so I am so excited. I want us to pray right now before we even read a word of, the, of this epistle to let God, the Holy Spirit, welcome here. Give him the room to come and change us, speak to us, make us these new beings that Christ talks about so much. And so please um, pray with me. Let me pray for us. So Lord... Holy Spirit, I invite you into this series. I invite you into the planning, Lord. I invite you into our hearts. I invite you into the life of our church, Lord, to do your will, to accomplish your plan, to be on your mission, Lord. We want to be about you in everything that we do. Help Ephesians to unlock so so many deep truths in our lives, in our souls, in our spirits, Lord, for us to have freedom, Freedom from sin, freedom from ourselves, freedom from the world, freedom from everything that holds us back from being in Christ. Lord, we want to be a church and a people who are in Christ in everything. And so help us to know what that looks like. Empower us to chase after you this year. Empower us to go after this picture of of who you're calling us to be. Lord, thank you so much. I love you. I pray all these things in the... matchless name of Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm so excited to jump into Ephesians. Let's read. We're going to start off this week with just the first two verses. Stop right there because, man, we could spend a long time in just these two verses, but for your sake, we won't. Don't worry. Chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. God's word says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful to Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read that one more time. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace to you and peace from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. 
This is a great place to start in Ephesians. I love, man, Paul was extra inspired in these two verses, this introduction, this brief inter introduction that so many commentators separate, pull out and say, wow, what was God doing here? God was already communicating so much to us in just these two verses. And so let's start today by talking about how the title of our sermon today is Everything in Christ, Everything from Christ. Simply that is what we are laying down for, the, for our sermon series going forward. Everything in Christ, everything from Christ. And so let's start with our first point, which is jumping right on in. Our first point of the day, will of God. Let's read a part of verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. Let's just stop right there. Sometimes the meaning of portions of scripture are in who wrote them, the messenger. Why is this so important? We've talked about this before, but we have to talk about it today because it speaks to you and to me, Paul. Paul wrote this. Paul here is called an apostle of Christ Jesus. The fact that Paul it could ever be called an apostle, and a big A apostle at that. One of, the, one of the ones that Christ himself set aside, though his journey was different than the rest of the disciples, but an apostle nonetheless, by Jesus Christ, of Jesus Christ, and by the will of God. We need to start to talk about this epistle and talk about how Paul became an apostle because of the will of God. That Paul should ever be considered an apostle is something that should shake you and shake me to our core and we should never get comfortable with the amount we should never really fully think that we can grasp not be comfortable with the amount of grace and mercy shown to him it should move us all to tears because what paul what god did through saul is what he does with every single one of us because you and i we really know deep in our hearts that given the right circumstance we really we're all paul Every single one of us are Paul. We might not have murdered anyone. We might not have told people to stone Stephen like the scripture tells us. Here in Acts 9 where we're first introduced to Paul's conversion, it says it paints him like a monster. He's not even human. It says that in, in Acts chapter 9, it says that he used breathing murder. And then when he finally sees, when, God, when Jesus makes him blind, when he goes to Damascus, when Ananias comes and prays for him, Scripture says that his like, scales fell from his eyes. He was a monster. He was, not, he was not even human. He was a monster. But somehow, because God willed him to find him, this monster became a man for the first time, became human for the first time. If there was anyone in the life of the early church who was disqualified, who every single one of us would say, not him, anyone but him, he cannot make it, he cannot be one of my brothers, he cannot be here included with us, it would have been Paul, well, Saul. But because of God's will, because God wills everyone to find him and no one to be far from him, because Second Peter 3 says that, God does not want anyone to perish, but his will is for everyone to find him. That Acts 17 says that God ordains everyone's life so that they can best seek him. That his will is for everyone here to find him, to be a part of this family that he started in Abraham is incredible. 
I remember in my life, I grew up in the church and I, I think I loved the Lord, but I didn't know him really. I never made him mine. And then I went to college and I found him. He spoke powerfully to me and, and my journey began in college, but still I kept him away, not even on purpose, just I was really immature. But then after college, I went to Chicago and, and did the missions program that I did there. And I remember because it was the first time I was actually living for Christ and not just knowing about Christ, but it was the first time I tried to live for him. I remember in a meeting with my boss and my director there, I remember telling him that following Christ was like seeing color for the first time. And, and I think I, that makes me resonate with Paul a bit because, because it was like he wiped my eyes out, like I, that I was dead up until that point and that I was never living until that point. And then I saw I lived for Christ. I lived in Christ as best as I could. And I saw that God's will was for me, that even though I was so low, and broken that he could find me and that he would want me and it really culminates in another piece of Paul's writing in Romans 5 8 when it says but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us that God's will is to bring everyone and all of creation back to him that, since we, that ever since we left him, he came and he started this plan to bring us back. And God is always a master at his work. And so he's been orchestrating all of this to bring us back to him. And so God's will, we're going we're gonna to be digesting everything that we talk about today. We're going to be digesting more deeply in the sermon series. But for us, this is precisely what we need to know, that God's holiness his wisdom and generosity towards us is what gives us life, like actual life, every breath, not even just feeling alive, but every breath that we have, that it gives us a chance to know him, that we see his mercy, that his will is to give himself to us so that we can live in the right boundaries, so that we can live in Christ so that we can set aside, so that our sin can be rectified through Christ, that we could be seen holy, not because of how good we are, but because of everything Christ did for us. And so I want to implant this in your head. Write this down. Put it in your phone somewhere. Write a memo, a voice note, something to remember this. This is going to be so important for us this year, but it's going to start today, planting this little seed. That when we talk about God's will, it's this. I read this and I absolutely fell in love with this when I read it. The blessing of God's election is that he chose us in him. I'll say that again. The blessing of God's election is that he chose us in him. So City Life, put that in your heart. Put it in deep, deep down in your heart that you have been chosen, but you have been chosen in Christ. And so that's a great place for us to go next. Let's talk about being in Christ. Let's read verse 1 again. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus, I don't know if there is a better three-word combination in the English language that more encapsulates the gospel, more encapsulates the, the narrative of Scripture, the story that God told in Christ. 
that everything here was ordained to be in Christ. In fact, Paul was so consumed while he was writing that he was so moved by this idea of being in Christ that in this short epistle, six chapters, only a few pages here in our books, six chapters here, God, Paul said, wrote, penned, in Christ, or in Christ Jesus, or in Jesus Christ, some variation of that, 30 times. And so here's a homework assignment right off the bat. Go through your Bible, read Ephesians this week. Highlight every time that it says in Christ, or through Christ, or something about us being in Christ, an idea there, highlighted in your Bible, commit half of those to memory in the next year, and you, your life will be changed if it goes past your mind and into your heart, if we live them out, that if we are in Christ, we are connected to God and a part of every blessing that God has to give. I think that uh, it's our fallen nature to forget often of how, how we're supposed to go forward, the trajectory of our life, what are we supposed to do? We always have these questions. We want to do things in our holiest moments. We want to do things the right way. And we forget that sometimes we just need to remind ourselves in Christ Jesus. That we need to be in Christ. That we need to follow his truth, his example. We need to do the things that he told us to. We need to read his story here in in the gospels and try our best in every day to mimic what he's doing read matthew 5 where he describes reality read so many parts of scripture and his story and all the things that he did and we want to be doing those as well and because that's because life only comes when we're in christ life only makes sense when we're in christ if everything was made for him and everything was made by him, like Colossians says, everything is about him. All of our life only makes sense when it's in Christ. And so we're going to digest this even further going forward. But here are some of the things that Christ said, that he is the vine and that we are the branches. Our lives are only found in him. He is the bread of life. He's the only one that sustains all of this life and gives us meaning. He's the light of the world. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he is the good shepherd. That Jesus so exclusively claimed all of these rights and said, you know what, life only makes sense when it's lived in Christ. And not as like Christians who have this high view of this spiritual being, but no, this, the man God who came here and lived and for us to copy his life, follow his teachings and actually find that we live in Christ in his example. There are, there are a lot of things that I would love to say here right now. But I'll just simply say this. If not in Christ, then nothing. And if not in Christ, then nowhere. If not in Christ, we have nothing. That we're dead, that we're lost, that we're in chaos. And if not in Christ, if truth isn't in Christ, then it's nowhere. That's what we believe. That's what we say yes to when we follow him. And so we love him because we know that loving him and being with him gives us life. We don't love the life, but we love the life with him. And we share him because we actually believe that this is true, that everyone who doesn't know him lives lost and is in the darkness, and we want them to have the light. And so we share about him. And so as we break down this, we'll get awfully specific but we need to be in Christ in every season of our life. 
here it says that uh, he's addressing to the saints who are in Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. We can only be great faithful when we are in Christ. But then that leads us to talk about the last point from God. Let's read verse 2. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So here we have to highlight from God. We talk about two things here. One we'll be able to talk a little bit more today. The next one we're just going to completely table for a different week. But here we have to fo- we have to realize that grace and peace come from God. And that here Paul has the audacity in that in the world and this time for us this seems normal and casual but for them it was revolutionary. But that grace and peace from God and not just God but also Jesus Christ the Lord Jesus Christ, putting Jesus on the same level as the Father, man, revolutionary, changed the rest of the world from this point on. And so we won't be able to talk about Jesus and the Father today, but we'll set that aside, talk about it another week, but let's talk about how grace and peace come from our Father. So I... I, I think for us this is another part of our faith that just becomes normal Sunday school in a way sure we have grace but then life gets so hectic at times we see so much evil and we kind of put this under the categories like okay yeah, it's true but I don't feel it or it's true but it's not a part of my daily life or it's true because I've forgotten what life was without him we've forgotten that or forget at times that People who don't know Christ don't have access to this grace and this peace like we do. This grace and peace that changes us, our souls, and our spirit and makes us a new being. God is showering everyone with grace and a measure of peace in all seasons. Every breath that we have, us and non-believers alike, is an act of grace and mercy from our Lord. But for those who don't know, who are not in Christ, do not know this grace and this peace that opens up eternity like we do. One thing that I love about how the CMA talks about conversion is that conversion is a series of crisis moments, right? And this doesn't always look like, oh, the, my life is ending right now. Sometimes it's just existential, right? We get to this point of life and we just don't have any answers. Things happen in our life, big or small, or we are getting older. I remember turning 30 was really hard for me because I had so many unrealized goals and dreams. And we get to these points in lives, these crisis moments where inside our hearts and our heads we're wrestling because we realize that we don't have any answers that serve us in that moment. We might know some truth, we might know something in a book, but that doesn't change us or give us confidence or changes down to our soul and our spirit. And I love how Paul talks about it here, that this grace and this peace is found in Christ and that it comes from God. And so people who are not in Christ, who are not belonging to this family that God has started, don't know this grace and this peace. And so if God's will is that we will find him, if God's will is to bring his kingdom here, to change all of this, to make this get rid of evil in every form and every ounce of evil if his will is for that to happen 
And then if he tells us to live these lives, to find this will in Christ, to continually be living out out of a place of being in Christ, in his teachings, in submission to him, saying, Jesus, you are my Lord. And then we realize that we get this grace and this peace that surpasses all understanding be from God and nowhere else, that nowhere else on this earth gives people true grace or peace. I think that's what I'm really trying to get at here today, is that we can search the world high and low. We can go to every mystic fountain that there is. We can read every inspired book, every time that God has given someone a glimpse of who he is and and produced something beautiful. We can go there, but if we're not in Christ, there's no fundamentally altering peace or grace. Grace is this this gift that we is unmerited, that we could never earn on our own. And peace is this shalom, it's this wholeness of not lacking anything, and not materially or in your life, but this essence in your soul, in your being, where you're just okay and fulfilled. And so church, this year is going to be a process of us knowing all of these things, Knowing, God, what's your will? What do you say about me? How do I pursue you in this life? Being in Christ, Lord, how do I live in you, follow, and you look like you follow your example? More than just saying we want to, more than just pretending at times to be better than we are. No, but Lord, how do I? I'm fundamentally changed when I say yes to you. And then now this peace and this grace that it would just flow into every area of our life and our being giving us this reassurance and affirmation that we belong to the King of Kings, the Holy of Holies. And we need to tell people about this. So let's conclude all of this just one moment. So Church City Life, we have some lofty goals for us this year. We have some lofty spiritual, emotional, and just practical goals for this year of where we want to go, where we feel God is telling us to go this year. And we're starting with Ephesians, the queen of the epistles, the most divinest, if that's even a word. Some smart person wrote that, so I'm believing it's a word. The most divinest human composition of God's heart, his will, his presence here, him reaching down to us to bring us to him, to bring us his kingdom in return as well. And so this year is also a process of saying, Lord, I know what the world says, about you I know what the world says about me I know what I say about myself and I know I know in my heart of hearts where I don't believe your word or reserve some reservations I know the areas of my life where I'm not truly living for you but we want your truth we want to be in you we want to look like you we want to live lives where the Holy Spirit is just showing up all over the place because of how dedicated we are to this love and to your will and we want to say lord have your way in me tell me about me more than i tell me about myself or more than i tell me about you for you to inspire us and change us and motivate us and actually see growth like we had never seen like actual growth even like quantifiable growth this year for us to be kinder or more loving or more patient for us to look more like Christ than at, at our lives on paper to look, oh yeah, like they live for something much more than just themselves. 
And so we want to be changed and we want to grow and we want to mature in all of our being for the Lord this year. Lord, I want to know your will. I want to be in Christ and I want everything that comes from you because I can't produce anything on my own that gives me any semblance of peace or grace. And so church, this is where we're going this year. This is where Ephesians will take us this year. Give Ephesians room in your heart. Read it on your own. Spend time in it. Give it a fair shot and it will change everything about how we live in Christ. And so let's, let's get to some prompt questions for us to join our MC calls and pro start processing some of Ephesians together. Prompt question number one. How do you explain God's will? And do you think you've pursued God's will in your life? So I'm cheating there a little bit. There's actually two questions in there. But how do you describe God's will? It's such a big thing. It's such a big topic. It's such a lofty idea. How do you explain it to someone who doesn't know about it? And then really examine yourself like Carla talked about last week. Examine yourself and see if you really live for God's will or if it's just you disguised or a holier version of what you want. Question number two. Describe a life that is in Christ. What does it mean when we say in Christ? We're going to be digesting this much more thoroughly in the weeks to come. But in Christ, what does that really mean to you right now? How would you explain it to someone? What does a life that is lived in Christ look like? Maybe even what is like this image of a life that you say, oh, this is a really holy life. How would you describe that? And question number three. Do you think there is any grace or peace apart from God? This is one of these questions that you just really have to be deadly honest with yourself. When scripture has exclusive claims to truth and to life and salvation, do you believe them or do you just, okay, it's, there's probably somewhere else or, you know, some people can find it over here. Now God works, he's, scripture is clear, he works in mysterious ways with people who will never hear his name. But do you think that there's actual soul, spirit, changing peace or grace out there apart from God? All right, church, we love you. Join your MC calls after this. Join your MC calls during the week. Join me on the prayer calls Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. We so love this church, this mission that we've been given as we digest what we're going through this year, our themes and our, our, our trends. Again, family meeting at the end of February. We want to be all about God's mission for our lives this year as a congregation. And so join us on that day. We love you so much. Can't wait for us to be together again. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.